Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Louis Butko, and today I'm very pleased to be joined by political pundit and public relations expert, Laura Babcock. And uh, Laura, it, it seems like yesterday, you know, there's the Auditor General uh, check-in uh, at, at Queen's Park. Uh, it's like the Ontario government got a bad report card and then decided that they were going to go on a two-month vacation. Yeah, they got a very, very bad report card. <laughs> Doug Ford and his government were found not only to have not made solid business cases or done the proper consultation on things like moving the Science Centre and the big spa project at Ontario Place that we all know is costing us at least a half a billion dollars in a parking garage alone. Uh, but beyond that, it came out that they haven't been tracking these ER closures. Uh, that came out in, an, in a report by a not-for-profit group yesterday. And when we found out the extent of the closures in our emergency rooms across this province, and even in obstetrics, if you can even imagine, uh, and that we're paying two to three times as much for nurses who leave our enfeebled healthcare system, our underfunded system, to go back into the hospitals from these private agencies uh, and make two to three times as much as taxpayers were paying for that. Hospitals can't afford it. And when questioned about it, the Minister of Health doesn't intend to you know, entertain ideas like putting caps on those agency fees. So between that and the problems in long-term care, I mean, it really was a very, very scathing and a report against this Ford government. And now, to your point, they're taking, what, two and a half months off? They're coming back after Family Day. Can you imagine getting your boss telling you or a report on your work saying that you did a terrible job and there's all these problems and you decide that you're going to take this really long Christmas break. It's not a good look for the Ford government this morning. So, uh, nothing in this Ford government, it seems the last six months, eight months has been a good look for them. There was the green belt reversal. There was, you know, all, all these problems you know, with the emergency rooms. We've got the HE report, but we knew that that wasn't the first sign of trouble at our province's hospitals. Um, how, how do the poll numbers stay so high for this government? That, that part doesn't make any sense. You're a PR expert. What, what, <laughs> explain to me how this government is, is still polling as high as they are. Well, I think there's really two reasons. One is charisma. You know, hmm. Doug Ford positioned himself as a as a mayor, a premier rather, for the people. Uh, and he gave us, you know, those free license plate sticker rebates and promised buck a beer. And after the pandemic, when the election happened, everybody, I think, just wanted to get out in the sunshine and, you know, get on with life. And there, so, I mean, there's the popularity of Ford himself as a person, which I think is really waned after the Greenbelt scandal. But they got a little bump back when he did the big tearful apology, you know, the mea culpa, I, uh, you know, I'll build back your trust, Ontario. People bought that a couple months ago. So he bumped back up in the polls. But then I think the other factor that people aren't really talking a lot about is that there wasn't a strong alternative to vote for in the last election. We had uh, a Liberal Party and a leader that wasn't very popular, kind of new face. We had Andrea Horvath as the head of the NDP that was kind of more attacking the Liberals in their strategy. And it feels like Doug Ford had a pretty big cakewalk in the last election. Now that we know that Bonnie Crombie is the selected leader for the Ontario Liberals, and we've seen how hard Merritt Stiles has been fighting for the NDP on the Green Belt, I think the, the whole landscape has changed in Ontario, from the Greenbelt scandal all the way to the options that we have when we go to the ballot box. And that seems to have Doug Ford pretty scared, if you look at how hard his government came out after Bonnie Crombie on the weekend. So I think things are going to change, and those poll numbers might not hold. 
Well, I, Bonnie Crombie is also tied into one of the major reversals we're expected to hear from the Ford government uh, this week, and that would be the dissolution of the Peel region. Uh, there had been some reports that, that maybe that was just to maybe entice Bonnie Crombie to stay on as mayor to see that through. Uh, the mayor of Brampton, Patrick Brown, a former PC, Ontario PC leader, he's saying yeah. it's going to cost his constituents $1.3 billion. Another flip-flop, but is this so far away from the election? I mean, you know, we're going to hear Bonnie Crombie attacks for the next two years. Doug Ford remains relatively somewhat popular. Uh, how does this play out in the next two years the way you see it? Well, there's a couple of interesting factors there. I mean, one of the things that Doug Ford got upset about visibly yesterday was when the, I believe it was Merritt Stiles brought up or someone on the NDP that he, in fact, broke a deathbed confession to Mayor mm -hmm. Hansel McCallion that he would break up Peel. Uh, you know, said Mississauga Free, if you were, and, and now to have reversed that, is it something mercurial in response to Bonnie, uh, or is it something to do with some sort of a business case, which is kind of hard to believe with this government when we just heard the AG report say that there wasn't good business case followed for Ontario Place, and we saw the Auditor General's report, or Auditor's um, report around that whole issue on the Greenbelt, where they weren't following due process in the minister's office, right, the minister who has since resigned. So it's hard to believe that there's a strong business case around this, the reversal on the massive Peel decision. And for those of us in Hamilton who were around in the 2000s during amalgamation, it takes years for transition boards and amalgamation. So this issue is going to be hot in the election for all of the people affected by these decisions. But in terms of the longer narrative that you're asking about around Bonnie and Ford, it feels kind of like we're going to be watching this clash of the <laughs> titans for the next two years, right? Um, but, you know, any government really should be able to end this Ford government's majority based on the Greenbelt and the Ontario Science Centre and the Auditor General's reports. And let's not forget, there is an RCMP investigation ongoing on the Ford government. Uh, that's major. And we don't know how long that's going to take. But when that comes out, that's not just some auditor, you know, some pencil pusher, if you will, uh, looking at numbers. That's the RCMP. Uh, and that's a criminal investigation. And so we'll, we'll wait to see what that bears out, if anything. Let's go back to uh, to Mar uh, let's go back to Bonnie Crombie. Uh, an interesting liberal leadership race. I had three of the four candidates here on uh, on this very show. Bonnie Crombie was uh, the one who uh, either you know, just did not respond to our invitation. Uh, Keith Leslie attributed that to uh, a front runner campaign. We saw Doug Ford and the PCs do a very similar tactic, and they didn't need to talk to media because they were leading the way. Uh, how did you see the the liberal race play out? The four ballots it took to the three ballots it took excuse me, to get the leader. Uh, what did you make of this past weekend and the race itself? Well, it's interesting because the Osho had the same kind of conversation with Bonnie Crombie's office, right? <laughs> after after the leadership race. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's, <laughs> so it's not just you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, she's serious about this. She's leaving a big gig in Mississauga, you know, uh, doesn't come from money as she is pointed back to uh, Doug Ford after he came out talking about some alleged cottage she had in the Hamptons or whatever. She pushed back on that immediately. Um, but, you know, this is a serious campaign. And you know how you can tell? Because she actually has on, you know, we always see Doug Ford's podium says build back better or build stronger or whatever, something about building. Hers says the next 
premier of Ontario. So Bonnie is not messing around here. And I think that the appetite for Ontarians to have someone fight Ford who seems to know Ford's number is pretty strong. So, I mean, I think the race was always going to be hers when she jumped in uh, as such a high profile candidate who already seemed to get under Ford's skin and seemed to be raising a lot of money. I was I was not surprised she won. Now, that last minute ballot action that we all got to watch is a little bit of humility for her that, you know, maybe the entire party is not behind her. And, and I would caution anyone who wants to run against Doug Ford and bring the case to Ontario could have a huge coalition of voters behind them because Ford only got 18 percent. There was such a lower vote, voter turnout. I mean, that's his base. Um, as long as there is the addressing of the major issues we care about most. And so when you ask me about what's going to happen in three years, depends how many of us have to go to the hospital, right? Depends how many of us have to experience the terrible state of our health care. Anyone I've talked to who has been in the healthcare system recently would never vote for the Ford government again because they have seen what privatization is doing to public access to services in a timely manner. Imagine having a heart attack in one of these small towns when your ER is closed and you're driving on bad roads in the winter trying to get your, your, your loved one to, to health. I mean, it, it's deplorable. So I think that Bonnie has a lot to work with. Um, and I think that Ontarians, as they experience some of these privatization moves, some of these uh, money being moved over to things like private spas, they may come to the polls quite upset and bring the Greenbelt group in with that. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty solid movement in this country or in this province to stop the sprawl and to protect the Greenbelt. So, you know, uh, Ford's got a tough couple years ahead of him. Uh, we had Joanna Frickaditch on uh, the show on Tuesday, of course, the great Hamilton uh, Spectator Health reporter. And, you know, she was talking about her series just on overtime, which is uh, actually our taxpayer dollars. And that's on top of these agency nurses, which are getting two to three times more for the same roles. We saw that report from uh, uh, CTV today as well, talking about that these agencies are actually recruiting nurses uh, to work at the very same hospitals. So obviously, may I, say, may I say, and I think it's important for Ontarians to hear this and Hamiltonians. They are recruiting them in parking lots, right? Nurses are going out for their breaks, working these shifts, exhausted, underfunded, understaffed, and they're getting recruited in parking lots. If that's not some sort of a predatory practice, I don't know what is. You know, fund our public health care system. Get these nurses, do right by them, and they won't be, you know, needing to take these agency jobs, which are only profit for these agencies. I mean, they're selling these nurses back at three times for the taxpayer. We're the ones who are paying for it and hospitals are running out of money. So we need the health minister to step up and put a cap on, on this practice, which looks like profiteering in a pandemic. Uh, and that's not something we should be okay with as, as people of Ontario. Well, but let's, uh, I mean, it's kind of on topic because of all the uh, the healthcare systems in Hamilton, all yeah. the hospitals in Hamilton, yeah. but let's shift gear locally here. Um, homelessness, you are very outspoken on this, I've noticed online. Yeah. This is a crisis in our city. Um, yeah. How did we get to this point? Oh, well, it's a series of things, right? I mean, it, it, the um, you can look all the way back to downloading to municipalities that happened years ago under the Harris government, uh, and you can look at subsequent underinvestment in housing and the failure, I think, at all three levels of government, federally, provincially, and locally, Trudeau's government, failure to be as robust on housing builds as he needs to be through his national housing strategy, failure of the Ford government to prioritize housing builds, affordable, accessible housing builds. We never needed to build on the green belt. We need to densify. Municipalities had plans. 
plans, right, to get these these houses built. There's been a failure from that government, from the Ford government, to lead on this and to treat it with the urgency it requires. And who's ending up on the streets in Hamilton, right? Who's ending up on the streets across the province? Well, new research has come out to say that it's actually people who are maybe living in poverty but could afford an apartment are now being run evicted. And again, Ford government took out the rent controls. I think it's important for people to know that. Uh, people are being rent evicted now and they are feeling uh, they can't make it, right? Our food banks are what, two, three hundred <laughs> times the lineup. You can see people lining up now in Hamilton. It's heartbreaking. We see homeless people, people living on house all over the Hamilton Mountain, which I never used to see before. I saw a young woman who was begging in the middle of live traffic the other day, right? It, it, we are failing our youth. So why is it happening? Other levels of government underfunding, lack of urgency, but it's also happening because our own city council cannot seem to have the courage to proceed with its own votes. And I mean this seriously, and I've written op-eds about it in The Spectator. When council finally decided to do the minimum, which many other communities have already done right across this country, to set up at least some tiny shelters to get people out of a life and death situation, something we would do if there was like a big flood or a natural disaster, right? We'd give people shelter. They were going to do that. And then there was some pushback, some nimbyism. I call it bullying because there was threats against the councillor and the mayor. And then, you know, it, it was stopped. It was stopped for the sake of safety. I mean, what kind of town are we that we can't get some tiny shelters up for people because of threats to those individuals and to our politicians? I think we all have to examine our hearts this Christmas and realize we need more. We need more. There was just a vote on council yesterday where uh, they, they wanted to pause some affordable housing on city property be, to consult residents. So we're going to consult residents on affordable housing now. You know, nobody has to have something they don't want around them when we're in a desperate housing crisis and we've got 1,600 people who are at risk of dying on our streets. I mean, this council and this mayor have to get serious. They have to get, you know, a backbone on this and get these housing units built before we lose more Hamiltonians. Your quote in uh, your most recent Hamilton Spectator op-ed here is, Hamilton's approach to the homeless crisis is like a football team constantly fumbling the ball, failing to complete a single pass, and last week's move to stop the vacant unit tax was an unforced error if there ever was one. It's clear we don't need a cheerleader mayor. We need a quarterback who can get the ball down the field to a touchdown. Obviously, some, some criticism there towards Mayor Horvath. I, I would think that extends to all of council because I, I get your point. Like, we, we see these units in in you know st catherine's everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. they're just yeah. we just can't figure it out uh, it, it, yeah. what, what do you make of that well i think it's cowardice and and that does extend to council i mean you can't pass something and say you're going to do it as a pilot and then leave it mm -hmm. to the one councillor and the mayor to have to fight it what where was the unified front and i do put the onus on the mayor because if you want the big job and the big bully pulpit and all that goes with being a mayor it's your responsibility to handle crisis and to lead the team and i would have loved to see all of the councillors out in front of that beautiful hamilton sign uh saying you know we are going to go ahead with this tiny pilot because we voted for it and the people of hamilton are are going to die on the streets. I mean, that's just reality. So we need to do this. And, you know, you don't like it in this particular neighborhood. Well, it's going to be in other neighborhoods as well. And it's something that we all have to do. Uh, and it's better to have social services helping support these individuals as they recover out of homelessness than it is to just leave them in tents to die and to suffer. Right. So where was that leadership? Where was that language? Where was that sense of urgency? Where was the, the council lining up to support? Uh, we didn't see that. And so, you know, uh, it is it is 
is a shame on all of them for their failure in housing and homelessness. But I will always, as I have always done fairly with every mayor, I will always say you wanted the top job. You represent the city. You know, you speak for the people of Hamilton who have no voice more than any other councillor ever could. You need to speak up. Well put. Um, when we look at this council, they obviously have a lot of issues on their plate. And I've had uh, a f- quite a few councillors on this show. And you know, we talk about how big Hamilton is, how diverse the issues are. Um, you know, we, do we start at Shadow Creek? Do we start at the Red Hill Valley Parkway report? Uh, you know, where do we go from here? Because a lot of the things are, you know, issues that this council has inherited. If you were advising this this new council now in its second year, uh, what would you where would you be advising them to to be paying the most attention? Well, on homelessness and housing, because I mean, that is that is number one. And I had Councillor Danko on the O show and I challenged him for a tweet he put out saying that the issue is not, in fact, homelessness and housing. It's the lack of industrial commercial tax base vis-a-vis residential. And I had him on my show and I said, you know, we've always known that that has been uneven in Hamilton. It's a cause for a lot of our budget crisis and our tax increases. But for the people who are dying on the streets, for the people who are about to be rent evicted, for the people who see no hope this holiday season, the biggest issue is their lives. That's job one, the health and safety of the people that they serve as counselors. So that's number one. They need some courage. They need to take some action. They can just watch Mayor Olivia Chow, you know, and how much she's done since June to push for more funding and for more resources for people who are living unhoused in her streets. So, I mean, it's absolutely doable. They need to do that job one. They also, and I'm going to have Councillor Kutch on the show tomorrow, have to talk about LRT. You know, there are people who are waiting. There are businesses who are waiting. 16 years ago, council said the province said they're going to go ahead with this. We had, what, 53 votes at least on this issue. It's been a ridiculous mess of lack of leadership for so long. We've expropriated now, spent all this money, Metrolinx expropriating, getting ready for the LRT line. And we they haven't even gone out for the RFQ yet. They haven't even put out the request for quotes. So it looks like years more delay. So, I mean, they have to get the big things done. You know, homelessness, the these massive infrastructure generational projects. What are we getting done as a city? And that was the point of when I, your football analogy in my op-ed, I also said, we're not even on the scoreboard. (laughs) And this council's running out of good grace for for many of those new councillors who came on saying more transparency. They were going to deal with some of these issues around homelessness and these other things. Maybe they're getting caught up in in some of the bureaucracy or what, I don't know, but they've got to move. They're running out of, they're running out of a lane from a lot of people who put them in there. And I would also add the new city manager has to be transparent, has to be competent. We can't go through this city manager recycling that we do in this town. We need leadership mm. is what it comes down to. Well, and uh, you know, I had Councillor Narendra Nan on uh, last week, and now we're just saying all the councillors we've had on our respective shows here, which is what it feels like. <laughs> but uh, last week I'd say, you know, I thought, you know, Mayor Horvath, Issuing an apology on behalf of the city for the Shadok incident, for the Red Hill. You know, she really had nothing to do with it. Yes, it's just a statement. Yes, it's just an apology. But I think that goes to your point that there seems to be an effort there that more than we've seen in recent years. But this, like Hamilton City Council, does it not have a reputation for just an inability to get things done? And we're talking about the city that took 50 years to build the Red Hill, right? 
I know. And so, and, you know, it's painful, uh, all the projects, if you really look at it, that we've turned down and, and ruined in the last 50 years, we'd be here for months. But here's the thing. Yes, Andrea put out a nice comment. Mayor Horvath put out a nice comment about the Red Hill, as she should. The city is yeah. probably going to be facing all, all kinds of yeah. lawsuits. And my heart breaks for the families, not only the ones who had family members die, but the hundreds and hundreds of accidents. I mean, what is that going to look like for a city? So that's squarely on the former mayor, right, on, on Mayor Fred Eisenberger and former city manager, Chris Murray, who, you know, was overseeing the city at that time. I mean, so this is not on Andrea to own. She doesn't own the Red Hill. She doesn't own Sewergate. She's a new mayor. That's that's basic. Do that. Say that. Great. What I'm concerned about is what she achieves and what this council achieves. You know, we need to be making changes in this city. It's great that a couple of traffic sections are getting better, right? Like, yay, because we have tons of pedestrian deaths. But I say this to all the councillors, the ones who I'm friends with and the ones who I'm not friends with, and that is you're running out of time. The citizens of Hamilton had a historic election. We will organize again if we need to until we get a council that is going to get in there and not just have the great ideas, but actually deliver. There are people on fixed income in this city who cannot just stare down higher and higher residential property taxes. We need people who will get in there and follow through on what they say they're going to do and be innovative and use best practices and work with other mayors. We're just not seeing the level of effort. And, and I say that across the board to this council. Yeah, I, you know, I go back. I, I think the tiny shelter project is a good example. Even if it wasn't on, you know, Strand Avenue, if, if you changed your mind on where you had the option to put it somewhere and you didn't, you know, we're seeing St. Catharines build, uh, you know, 50-unit tiny shelters, Kitchener, Waterloo. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing it across the country, but just can't seem to, to figure yeah. out it or even make a decision. And to your point, yeah, it real feels like sometimes there's a, a certain lack of urgency uh, when it comes to these decisions for these full-time counselors who I do want to remind our, our listeners are, are making about a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? <laughs> right? Right. And you know what? And it's so I mean I think that's really important to say though, right? Because grocery prices are through the roof. And I get to talk to a lot of Hamiltonians uh, through the O show and through my social media. And people are really, really, really suffering, suffering with the healthcare system, new costs that they're experiencing, suffering with inflation, suffering with property taxes, and they are absolutely needing councils to rise above, to rise above petty squabbles, to rise above partisan you know, divisions or past whatevers. This council is starting to divide along lines, and we've dealt with that for so many years, and it's not productive. And so I'm hoping that the mayor can step up and say, you know, there are things that need to happen in this town, and we're running out of time. So, you know, let's not just make our own little points here. Let's show a vision for this city and let's move. The people of Hamilton, it's not just that we don't want to wait, it's that we can't wait. And we get paid, those of us who are lucky enough to have full-time employment, uh, to do our jobs. We're not paid to sit and talk about doing our jobs and why we weren't able to do our jobs. That's not how it works in the real world. Again, well put, Laura. Really appreciate you coming on today's show. Uh, I'm, there's a lot of things we could have gotten to, which just means I'll have to have you on very soon. So thank you for doing this. Sounds fun. Thanks. Take care and awesome. happy holidays. My thanks holidays. to Laura Babcock. Happy holidays to you too. My thanks to Laura Babcock for joining me today. My thanks to you as well. My uh, thanks uh, to everyone who's contributed to today's show, including Mike Corston, who directed today's show. Thank you, Mike. And to Katie, who wrote the prompter. You're the best, Katie. Uh, one more time, thank you for joining us. You can check out CHCH Podcast, all of our offerings, wherever you found this show, or you go to chch.com slash podcast from all of us here at CHCH. 
ATH. I'm Louis Butko. Have a great day.